Connecting Coaches Cognition. Coaching with Courtney and Christensen. As a busy coach, you spend all day refueling, revamping, and reflecting with educators. Now is the time to stop and recharge your batteries with some much-needed coaching for the coach. Welcome back to another episode of C3. I'm Courtney Groskin, and I'm here with Violet Christensen. Violet, what's new in your world? Um, what's new in my world? I am feeling like I'm not very new in this world. I keep having these conversations with um, newer educators, um, first, second, third year teachers. And um, just it's been fun to dive into some deep um, strategizing conversations and just some reflections and the planning as far as um, what they can do with classroom management and how we can keep it strong at this time and be able to really use those smaller nuances in order to connect with kids and um, breaking through some of those relationship barriers. And um, yeah, there's there's a few teachers who are like, oh my gosh, I wish I had your bag of tricks. And they make me feel a little bit old when I'm coaching them at times. I'm like, oh, I'm, you know, now I'm been in this game for a while. So that's that's been really interesting. And to layer on to that. Um, in the last couple of weeks, I had a few of the students who um, well over 16 years ago were in my first third grade class reach out and like, you know, like wonder if I'm the same person, if they could connect with me again and um, just reaching out that you were there, that teacher. And I think every educator, every coach, every administrator, anyone, every level needs to, you know, have that, that moment of like, okay, you know, I made that impact in that time, whether it was your first year or your fifth year or your 30th year, just being able to have that, you know, that reconnection with kids or um, educators that you had an impact with. So I've just been reflecting a lot on that and trying to do some journaling personally to be able to um, kind of hold on to those wins over time for those times when maybe you need to see the wins and you're not feeling them in that readily moment. So. That's kind of that's kind of what I've been going on. I'm going deep cerebral here, Courtney. <laughs> so deep. You know, I'm always ready. We can we can live in the thick of it. It's all good. Absolutely. But what's going on in your world and, you know, in this portion of the school year? You know, just working on digesting that mid-year data um, now that we've had a chance to really dive in and look at it and then really to start up some coaching cycles that are super intentional. You know, beginning of the year, we do a lot around management and building structure. And now that that sign of settled in, how do we shift our practice based on um, what our students know and are able to do at this point in the year and being really, really targeted on that? Absolutely. It's it's interesting just how many layers that we get through in a year and how they're so cylindrical and come back over the course of the year in so many ways. Yeah. And how fast time moves. It's <laughs> unbelievable. It is crazy that this is where we are in the year, but you know, every day forward is one day. I mean, you're always looking forward to that next break, right? Another recharge and restart and strong finish for sure. Yeah. And if the weather has anything to do with it. It's quite underpredictable in Colorado at this time of year. So you never know when you're going to get that extra day to sleep in a little for a delay or an online learning day or a snow day for those people that still have those. It, it's true. And uh, I'm still in the phase of trying to uh, encourage strongly my children actually wearing weather appropriate clothing. So, you know, that's always a little bit of a battle in Colorado this time of the year, too. <laughs> I like I hear this all the time. I don't remember as a child having an option. 
there's <laughs> there is not an option but i think because of so many times how it warms up through the day they remember what it felt like in afternoon recess as opposed to what it feels like frigid at you know 7 a.m <laughs> Pick your battles. Good luck, parents. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. Pickles doesn't get to say whether she wears her coat for her morning walks or not. <laughs> well, and I laugh because they want to wear snow pants. They just don't want to wear the jacket. And they'll wear the snow pants all day. I'm like, you guys are at a bizarre age, but it's all good. Uh, I'll only save in her. Colorado. <laughs> I know. I'll save her the snow pants days as long as we can get them, right? Better than wearing, wanting to wear shorts in the winter. I don't know. <laughs> I, I concur. I concur. So, yeah, it's just, you know, it's that, that, wild middle of the year. It's always fun. It's always a fun ride. Definitely. We have Sherry Sinclair joining us today. Sherry is the founder of Reflective Learning LLC, an educational consulting agency based in Kentucky. Her organization works with schools around the world, creating specialized training and coaching services for school administrators and educators. She holds a master's degree in instructional leadership, as well as a rank one in instructional supervision. Sherry is a contributing author to Effective Instructional Strategies, Volume 2, published by the International Center for Leadership and Education, and a 100 No-Nonsense Things That All Teachers Should Stop Doing. She has published numerous professional learning activity guides and facilitated webinar series focused on leadership and effective instructional practices. Welcome, Sherry. Sherry, we are thrilled to have you back on C3. Your first interview was just dynamic and amazing and so warm and personable. And we were able to snag you back again here a few years later. And you're one of our, our esteemed second, second round guests. So we're so excited to hear everything that's going on in your world. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for the opportunity. And I, I truly mean that. I really appreciate getting to share any time about instructional coaching. So thank you. And you have a great podcast. You know that. Oh, thank you. You're welcome here anytime. <laughs> well, we are lucky enough to have you in our PLN and hold on to you since we last interviewed. But um, we, we always we were talking, we love all your posts and your landscapes from your neck of the woods and and just appreciating everything that you put out there. But um, we wanted to see if you can catch up our listeners and give us a little recap on what you've been up to and how things are going for you and and kind of where you're at in this moment. Sure. I have, uh, like many of us, had a very busy school year so far. It, it is hectic, but hectic in a great way. You know, as a when you're owning a business, you want to make sure that it, it's busy. But it's it has been a blessed but busy year. I have had the opportunity to present at ASCD's Leadership Institute and to speak on women in leadership, which I'm passionate about. I was able to speak at Jim Knight's conference again this year. Jim's a great supporter of my work and just, uh, and I'm a great supporter of his work as well. So that was an honor. I'm leading um, the Georgia Educational Leaders Association's um, Literacy Leadership Institute again this year as well and supporting leaders across the state in the area of literacy leadership. Love that work. It, it is just dynamic to watch those schools that are in that institute grow, thrive, help students um, learn to read and um, support their teachers as they um, grow in the area of literacy leadership. And then, as you know, I am supporting coaches and administrators all over in the area of coaching and in the middle of writing another book. So uh, it has been quite a busy year, but um, I, I I love the work that I get to do. 
Busyness and coaching seem to come hand in hand together. Truly, and you're jack of all trades, Sherry. Oh my goodness. No, no, I'm not. But I I try. (laughs) I try my best. Hey, we're going to dive into some questions here. In your experience, how does intentional coaching different from a more traditional coaching approach? And what impact does it have on the overall effectiveness of the coaching process? So intentional coaching is the topic of the book that I'm currently writing. I hope to have that wrapped up by February. And um, the the purpose of, of writing this book is to help both teachers and coaches think about the intentional steps needed to make progress in certain areas. So um, as I have coached, I have grown and learned, and um, you see a lot of that learning that took place in Coaching Redefined. But even as um, I've continued to learn, one of the things that I see is that the research really supports taking smaller steps towards those big goals and um, being in, intentional about those steps. So the you know coaches tell me all the time that we don't have enough time and uh, principals will tell me that as well who are, are trying to be instructional leaders. We're just short on time and, and we will never have enough time in education. So we want to use the time that we have as intentional as we can and not waste it uh, for the purpose of growth. And that's really the premises of this book. The purpose of writing it is just to help coaches and teachers think through what are those small steps that I can take and be really intentional with those steps so that I can see the instructional growth that I'm wanting to see. Yeah, I feel like in education, when we talk about change, everyone kind of just wants to stop doing everything and implement the new thing, make the big change. And I often reiterate to educators, like, what's one small change that you can make? And then what are the results of that small change? It doesn't have to be everything getting thrown out at once. Right. Or sometimes I will go into a school and they'll say, well, Sherry, we want to work on engagement. And that's great. But, you know, what kind of engagement are you looking at? Behavioral engagement? Are you looking at emotional engagement? Are you looking at cognitive engagement? And then what do you want to do with engagement? So we we're really good in education about throwing out these big words. And rigor was another one that was a, a few years back and still is important today. But but then we don't take time to really think reflectively about what are the small steps that we need to make that occur. That, you know, working on engagement can take years. And and that's not something that sometimes we want to accept. We want it done yesterday because we know that there's that need for it. But we, we really are better off if we break it down and see instructional growth as a journey, not just this one destination. Let's run real quick over here. And then next year, let's run quick over somewhere else. But let's go on a journey to grow from where we are and take one step forward and and keep moving forward through those intentional steps. Time truly is always the most valuable resource in education. And when we just keep running, 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 we're not being able to focus on that growth plan, like you're saying, or the trajectory of where we're trying to get to. And it's just, 
I, I just appreciate you bringing that to the forefront and being able to us all embrace the fact that there's never enough time and that we have to be really mindful of how we utilize that time. Tell us, Sherry, we know the concept of coaching intentionally that you are writing about suggests a very purposeful and focused approach. And you were just speaking to that. Can you share some specific strategies or methods or even examples um, that instructional coaches can employ in order to ensure they're coaching with that um, supreme intentionality? So I'll give you some examples, but to be honest, that is <laughs> the, the topic of the book. And so I you know it's, it's broken down into 18 chapters and take breaking down concepts and talking about how to do those intentionally. So for example, if we're talking about student discourse, then if we don't have student discourse in a classroom, then where would we start? Or if we have a little bit of student discourse in a classroom, where do we start? And, and the, the, that's the whole purpose of the book is for us to think about these things that are out there in research that um, are, are proven ways for students to learn, such as student discourse, and then to think about how we can help a teacher to implement those effectively in their classroom. So instead of just going into a classroom and saying, you know, John Hattie's research shows that if we use student discourse, we um, it has an effect size of 0.82. And so, teacher, I would like you to have students talk to each other. Instead of doing that, to really step back and think about what needs to take place for student discourse and uh, meaningful student discourse to take place in a classroom. Well, first of all, students need to feel safe. So we can't forget those SEL skills. And then students need time for those academic conversations. And students need to be trained on how to have an academic conversation versus just having a conversation about whatever when they get together. And then you want to have that student discourse from not just the teacher to student, but student to student. And so that's another step. And so really for a coach, they want to think about those small incremental steps that a teacher can take to get to that goal of student discourse, but not just make that um, idea of students having conversations be the only thing that you suggest to a teacher there's there's many steps to get there um as you coach and now that's just something that honestly has has I've had to learn in my own coaching um but also I think that research really supports it um if, if in coaching redefine you know I, I say that I'm really thankful to have Daniel Pink's endorsement of that book. And I love his research. And he talks about in this research about how if we are motivated to change, we need to for people to feel like they can master it. That's one thing, autonomy, mastery, and, and purpose. And if we give teachers small steps, there's more of a chance they're going to feel like they can master those instead of saying, okay, teacher, you just need to have students talk more in your class because Johnny Hattie's research supports that. It really sounds like your approach helps to meet teachers where they are and then make the changes attainable to see the end results. I, I hope so. And, you know, I'm learning. I've been doing this for years now, and I, I'm learning along um, just with all instructional leaders 
as well. But I do hope that this work will help instructional leaders of all types, whether it be administrators, um, whether it be teacher leaders, instructional coaches, to to think about those small steps that they can take for big gains in student learning. How does being intentional in your coaching practices contribute to building a positive and collaborative school culture? Um, do you have some specific examples or success stories you can highlight? So I... I can highlight one um, that sometimes I'll share this story at conferences, but um, it's with an administrator that I've had the privilege of walking alongside of for several years now. And uh, she met me at the door of her school and she said, Sherry, uh, you have to come see my data room. And she was so excited. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I know data rooms are purposeful. We need them. But as far as them ever exciting me or any other teacher, I've never really seen people get super excited about going to a data room. So she really had me intrigued by her meeting me at the door and telling me that. And, and, when we walked into her data room, she just said, she said, look at all this data. And she showed me, you know, four walls filled with data. And she said, this is the first time every piece of data in our school is headed in a positive direction. And I'm not saying that every piece of data is where we wanted it to be, but every piece of data was showing growth. And so from behavioral data to academic data, to parent involvement data, it was all moving in a positive way. And that does not happen by accident. You know, sometimes we will run to a reading score and we increase the reading score and our math score goes down, or we see student attendance go down. And we don't think about how those, how things impact other elements in our school. And so with this administrator, we had focused on slowing down and thinking about one goal that we can work on as a school and bringing that up and how it impacts all the other pieces. And um, I think because of that focus, she was able to really see the impact across the board. And it it does. When when we don't layer on so many things on our teachers' plates, but we just have an intentional focus on those small steps, we really can see um, growth that we don't see if we just try to cut, sprinkle and cover so many areas at one time. Absolutely. It, it brings me back to like the 1990-90 study way back in the day of that laser-like focus and how the ripples of that impact can just go throughout your entire system. It's a beautiful thing. Right. Absolutely. The idea of intentional coaching often involves aligning coaching efforts with broader goals and objectives. How can instructional coaches or building leaders ensure that their coaching activities are aligned with a larger vision and mission of a school or a district? So I think coaches often have to be filters for things happening in their school system. And and that is really an honor. And it truly is an honor where you get to go out and you do the research and um, you get to go to some conferences sometimes that teachers 
don't necessarily get to go to, or um, you get to go in lots of classrooms that maybe other teachers don't get to go through, but you will filter information and then help uh, them see the most important information um, in your school. And as you do that, you also have to keep in mind some of those uh, broader goals that you want to help your school um, encompass. I talk about in um, both this new book that I'm writing and also Coaching Redefined about the importance of SEL skills. And I talk about the importance of making sure that we are incorporating workforce skills so that our students, when they leave us, they can be successful in the work world, um, that we don't just make our reading and math and academic skills be the ceiling in our school. But as an instructional leader, you have to think about how do I pull all of that conversation and those thoughts together and help a teacher see that, for example, if I go back to student discourse, how that when students have student discourse in your classroom, that it's not only helping them learn, according to John Hattie, but it's also helping their SEL skills. And it's also helping them prepare for the world of work outside of them. So as an instructional leader in your school, you're filtering that and you're building those commonalities in that language so that they don't see it as these separate entities, but they see it as woven together to a single goal. And it really should be a single goal. But sometimes we want to compartmentalize things to where um, it's not always seen that way. Sherry, we just appreciate you being able to share that with us and being thinking about just stepping back and being able to reflect and really pay, give ourselves some the time and space to be mindful about that intentionality in our coaching and how we filter and what we filter in and what we filter out as far as those um those bigger goals and being able to break them down into the smaller pieces for our educators so that we can be moving down our learning path, but also keep the efficacy high and keep refining our craftsmanship in order to get better and better in time. And, you know, I'm doing the same thing. <laughs> I'm trying to do the same thing. It's just get better so that I can um, help those that I serve get better as well. And we know at the end of the day that it's only going to help students learn Exactly. I remember my very first coach who I know I've referenced on here multiple times, but in my first or second year of just teaching in the classroom, she told me, if your practices aren't changing a little bit, like 20% each year, then you're not truly growing as a learner and you're not being the best educator for your students. So I've always kind of held that with me in my back pocket of, okay, it's those small tweaks. It's not changing everything, but being able to do minor tweaks today is what's the one thing that I can do better than I did yesterday or for this next lesson, what's the next thing I can do or this next coaching session, what is the one thing that I can really try to refine in order to move forward? I love that. And you know, I use the example in my workshops of a doctor. Would we want to go to a doctor that's doing the same thing the same way that they were doing it five years ago? I mean, that's just, you know, three years ago. If there's new methods out there that are proven to be better, is that what we want or would we want old research being put into our bodies or that being done to us? And we want, and sometimes we don't honor ourselves as educators enough to say, you know, I am a professional and we need to keep honing our practices based on the new research that's out there to, to, 
to help our students. It's a great analogy. I just, I love bringing it to that simplicity factor of, I, I don't want to go to the doctor who's still doing it like the 1950s, you know, we want to, we want to all constantly be upgrading and be shifting and be improving. And that's what education's really all about. And Sherry, we just appreciate your sentiments and your insights so greatly. And we're going to shift slightly. I know we did this a few years ago and we gave you our rapid fire, but we're wondering if anything has kind of shifted or changed for you in this time. And if we can get a little bit more insight from you. So we're shifting to those rapid fire questions. Can you tell us a little bit more and update our newer listeners as to where they can learn from and with you? Um, what else you, you had a plethora of what you're working on right now, but anything else that you want to share that you're working on or coming down the pike? Um, we want to hear any other tidbits from you. Sure. You can go to reflecttolearn.com. That's my website and sign up for the newsletter. I promise you, I will not inundate you with too many newsletters. I'm uh, absolutely, it's been put on hold with, with this um, book that I'm writing, but I'm hoping I can get back into doing newsletters and sharing resources that way. My blog is there. Um, I'm on Facebook, Sherry Sinclair. That's where I'm most active. I really liked Twitter that was is now X, but I'm not loving the new platform. So I'm not as active there. And I'm also on Instagram, but Facebook is where I'm the most active these days and would love to connect with um, listeners and readers. I really do enjoy hearing from those who are trying things um, that I talk about in my, my book or my work and um, just feeding off of their ideas. So I would love to connect with people. Well, we love seeing your snippets on there, definitely. And I would recommend everybody hop on and follow so you can catch all of her amazing things that are coming down and, and get all the updates when things are when, when things are dropping, like the new book. We'll know the exact date then. Tell us, Sherry, what is your tagline or your bumper sticker for coaching in this moment? Well, I you know, I don't know that I have one. I find myself saying, just keep swimming. I find myself saying, let it go, <laughs> shake it off. Some of those things that are um, out there in song and movies, but I just keep moving forward. It's really what you, you and I um, alluded to is just keep improving just a little bit more each day. And, you know, I've, I've learned that there are some days when you can run fast towards whatever goal that you've created for yourself. And there's some days that you may walk to it. And there's some days you just have to sit and rest and that's okay too. Um, but just keep moving forward. So just keep swimming. I'm going to have to go with that one. That is great. It's been one of my mantras since that movie came out. I love how you have a little Pixar, you have a little Disney and a little T-Swift all mixed together in order to keep yes. us propelling forward. <laughs> it, it makes me think I had a colleague who always says yard by yard, everything's hard, inch by inch, everything's a cinch. So just trying to always keep inching forward as much as we can, right? Right. 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 All right, Sherry, tell us what is a secret coaching superpower or go-to move that you've been using recently? <laughs> well, I don't know that it's really a superpower, but um, you know, my listening tour, my thought on the listening tour is um, going in and listening to people before you even start coaching and outline that and coaching redefined. But that definitely is a powerful coaching strategy. 
Um, I feel like a superpower that we really don't um, take advantage of or don't learn about as, as much as we should. It's just being female. And, uh, you know, the, if we look at the Pew research, it shows that uh, women are seen as being much more compassionate as leaders than men. And sometimes we don't grasp the power of that, especially in the area of instructional leadership. And so, um, but I also think that is one reason that we burn out sometimes faster. Um, and so I like to pair that compassion with studying about leadership in business and to, to really hone in on how to be a strong leader. Um, and so studying the two of those, I think it's not necessary. Necessarily coaching as you're asking for, but it is, I think, a, a superpower. I think we have a long way to go as women. If we look at the research, 76% teachers are female, uh, 54% of principals are female, 24% of superintendents are female. We have a long ways to go to where we need to be. But when we think about the skills that we have as females to make a difference in this field, um, I, it, it just blows my mind that we're not making faster progress in there. So I really encourage my females to learn some leadership skills from the business world so that they can stick with it longer and not get burnt out in this. And sometimes our greatest gift, that compassion, is why we get burnt out because we care so much we take it home and we don't learn to let it go. Um, but I, I really enjoy coaching on that and I'm learning about that as well. Well, we are lucky to have you as a female leader in education and just helping to remind us to propel ourselves forward and remember that that compassion is a superpower, even if sometimes it's what makes us, you know, a little, a little rumbly and just a little, um, a little nervous at times. So I, I appreciate you just bringing that and having you as empowering all of our female leaders across the board in coaching and education. Well, thank you. It's an honor. Thank you so much for joining us today. It is a privilege and truly thank you all for offering again for having me on and, you know, that how to reach me. I love uh, following you on Facebook, but, um, you know, the, the work is great and it's great to have this podcast to support the work out there. So thank you. We can't wait for Sherry's book, Intentional Coaching, to hit bookshelves. How might you be more intentional with your coaching? What steps might be needed to make progress? Thanks for listening to another episode of C3. Be sure to follow us on social media at C3 Coaches. Thanks for listening. C3, connecting, coaches, cognition. Whose thinking will you mediate today?